We are continuing our sermon series, When God is Silent. And last week we talked about how when we go through the storms of life, when we are feeling overwhelmed, when things are not going the way that we had hoped, and it feels like God might be absent or he's not paying close attention to what's going on in our lives, that we have a a need to be honest and forthright that we need to make sure that we are telling God exactly what we're feeling, exactly what we're thinking, exactly what's going on in our hearts and in our minds. If we have questions, we should express them. If we have doubts, we should share them with him. We need to be open and honest with wherever we are at. And the Psalms show us time and time again the value and the importance of, of that open and honest relationship that we can have with God. He's not diminished or hurt when we come to him with doubts or questions. We talked about the need to engage God with honesty, with where we really are in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives. And today, as we go through uh, the sermons, we go through scripture, we're going to be reminded that in the midst of those moments, the storms, the, the struggles, those overwhelmed feelings, the questions and the doubts that we might be experiencing, we are going to be reminded that we are not alone in the midst of those things. We're going to kick this off by going to Mark chapter 14, verses 32 through 36, as we explore Jesus' time in the garden of Gethsemane. If you have a Bible, your Bible app with you, I invite you to turn there uh, and read along with me as I read. Again, Mark 14, 32 through 36. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and he prayed that if it was possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will but what you will. So, Jesus has been, uh, all throughout his ministry, he's been spending some time in the synagogues, he has been roaming around the countryside, he's been preaching, he's been teaching, he's been healing, he's been casting out impure spirits, he's been sharing stories and parables, he's been ministering to a wide variety of of different people, but all along the way, he's been telling his disciples that eventually he's going to die and that he's going to be resurrected. And his disciples had no real sort of clue what it was that Jesus was was getting at as, as he would share this with them. But he was being forthright and honest. And as we come to our passage this morning, 
This is Jesus' sort of last night before everything sort of falls apart around him. He's spending time with his disciples. This is the night that we get the Last Supper. And in John, we see that, that Jesus washes the, the disciples' feet. And in each of the Gospels, we see that Judas, his close friend, the person who's been traveling with him over the course of his ministry, is going to betray him. And Jesus, uh, Judas, at this point in, in the passage, has left to go and do his betrayal. And Jesus is feeling the weight of what is about to happen. He knows very well that he's mere hours away from his trial and from the suffering, from the pain that he's going to have to endure, not just the beatings, but the time on the cross and the, the excruciating death that that was going to bring. He knew that it was only hours away before he was going to have to endure all that he would have to endure. And he was feeling the weight of it in this moment. And so he goes into the garden. He takes a few of the, the close disciples with him and he sort of asks them to keep watch and to, to pray along with him. And he goes and he prays and he asks God, if, if you could remove this burden from me, that would be wonderful, so that I don't have to endure. But if it's your will, Lord, I'm still willing. I'm still ready to do what you're asking me to do, what I have volunteered to go and do. And so Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, is struggling, struggling immensely with the weight of what was about to happen. He was being crushed by that weight in those moments. Being crushed in every way imaginable. Being crushed psychologically and emotionally and spiritually and physically. He was being crushed. Now, just for a little bit of context, if you're not familiar with the Garden of Gethsemane, the Garden of Gethsemane, consisted of, or actually still consists of, a grove of, of olive trees and an oil press. Gethsemane literally means oil press. It was a place where olives were picked and then crushed so that they would be able to become oil. And so even the name of the garden, the place that Jesus is struggling with, feeling the weight of what was going on, is symbolic of being pressed and crushed. Jesus was experiencing this sort of excruciating weight that was hanging over his head to the point where he even, as Luke tells us, was sweating blood, which is actually, by the way, a real, uh, a real condition that people experience or can experience under great stress. stress. It's called, if I can pronounce this correctly, hematohydrosis. Jesus was so stressed, so crushed in those moments, so overwhelmed by what was happening in those moments that he was sweating blood. Jesus' ministry up to this point had been difficult, for sure. He had had many enemies, the, the Pharisees, the scribes, the teachers of the law, hated his ministry, hated what he was doing. 
And so they were always in opposition to him, laying uh, traps for him. Ultimately, they sought to kill him. He had disciples that followed him, but didn't really always get what he was trying to do. His ministry was difficult. It was challenging. It was hard. But it was nothing like what he was about to face in his trial and on the cross. And so in those moments, Jesus found himself in a very difficult, very challenging place because of the weight that was upon his shoulders. And I'm sure that that's something that each of us can relate to on some level. Certainly we weren't going to take the weight of the world like Jesus was, but we have all felt the stress, the weight that this world has put upon us, haven't we? We've all sort of understood or or know what it feels like to be crushed down by what's going on in our lives. We all know how Jesus on some level felt in those moments. But what is truly amazing, I think, and truly beautiful about this passage is that not only can we relate to Jesus in regards to what it feels like to feel the, the weight and the burden of of difficulty, of trauma, of tragedy. But it's a reminder that God can relate to us in our trauma, in our pain, and in our tragedy. He knows what it feels like to be overwhelmed. He knows what it feels like to to feel the weight of the world crushing down upon our, our shoulders. He knows what it feels like to experience all of the pain and trauma that this life has to offer. He knows what it feels like to to lose, to have enemies that that pursue him, to have enemies that that actually, in a sense, went out. He knows what it feels like to go through the agony, the pain, the loss of life. We have a God who can relate to us on every level who understands what we are going through who understands the pain in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 it says this this high priest of ours referring to Jesus this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all of the same testings that we do In Isaiah 53, 3, it says he was a man of suffering, familiar with pain. He knows our pain. He knows what it is to experience each and everything that we are experiencing or have experienced or will experience. He is a God who can relate to us on a level that is just amazing. There aren't words to describe the beauty of that. Which is what I think is very unique about our faith, about our religion. We have a God who understands, who's not far off and wholly transcendent, although that is sort of a part of God's character and nature. He is wholly different than us and transcendent. But he also knows the intimacies of our pain and and, and our frustration, our anger and our doubt and our questions. 
because Jesus experienced them throughout his life and in his ministry and in that garden that evening and upon the cross when he died. Jesus was a man who, and a God, who deeply understands what it is to be human, what it is to face the difficulties that we all face. And as we look at his example in our passage this morning, I think there's three or four things that we can take out of that passage that can help us on some level deal with some of the the pain and, and the frustrations that we experience when, it, again, it feels like God might be silent or absent or when we are dealing with unanswered prayer in our lives. I think there are four things, four elements that are, are true of this passage that can help us in this arena as we look to Jesus' example. First, Jesus finds a place, a place that he's familiar with, a place that he's comfortable with. Jesus finds a place where he can go sort of get away and spend time in prayer with his friends. Sometimes we downplay the importance of place in our lives, but there are, if we think about it, there are places for us that feel a little bit more comfortable than others. And that places or places will be different for each of us. For some of us, home is a place of tremendous comfort. For others, the church sanctuary might be that place where you can get away and experience that sort of sense of peace that home can provide. For others, it might just be sort of walking through nature and enjoying God's creation. For others, it could be sitting down at a table and and eating a meal. The places vary for each of us depending on our preferences and, and, and who we are as people. But we all have places in our lives that bring a sense of 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 peace and, and, and help to sort of take away some of the chaos that life throws at us. And Jesus goes and he finds a, a place where he can do that, a place that's quiet, a place that feels comfortable, a place where he's not going to necessarily be interrupted. He finds a place that will help sort of bring a little bit of that chaos into And I think that's a valuable thing for us when we find ourselves struggling. To find that place in our own lives where we feel a sense of of peace, where we feel comfort, maybe a place where we feel God's presence a little bit more than we might in other ways or in other places. Jesus found the Garden of Gethsemane. What might your place be? That place that feels like home. That place that brings a sense of refuge and shelter where everything else is sort of falling apart around us. Jesus found his place in the midst of one of his greatest trials, his tribulations. I think it's important for us to think about the places in our lives that we can go to find that, that shelter, that refuge. A place where Things feel just a little bit different, where the veil between God and our world feels just a little bit thin. Secondly, beyond finding that place, lean into your friends, to your family. 
When Jesus entered into the Garden of Gethsemane, he took a few of his disciples, his closest friends, with them. Now, oftentimes when we go through great tragedy or trauma in our lives, the gut instinct or that thing that sort of weighs upon us is that we should isolate. Nobody can understand what we're going through. Nobody can has experienced what we have. And so our tendency is to want to isolate and keep people at arm's length. And I get that feeling. My natural instinct is always isolation. If I could be a hermit, there's a really good chance that I would do that. Now, I love my wife immensely. I love my kids immensely. But sometimes that isolation just feels good. It feels, feels right. And sometimes we do have to get away to enter into God's presence. But our go-to can't be just keep everybody at arm's length and isolate. It just doesn't work that way because we're meant to be in community. We're meant to, to bear one another's burdens. We're meant to pray for and love one another. Now, the people around us might not understand what we're going through. The disciples had absolutely no clue what Jesus was going to be going through. No idea. Even though he told them, they had no idea what was about to come upon Jesus. They had no way of understanding. And yet Jesus still asked them to go along with him, knowing full well that they couldn't really understand what he was going through. The point isn't to necessarily have people around you that understand. The point is presence. The point is to have people in our lives who can just be present, who can be with us. There is no greater ministry in my mind than the ministry of, of presence. Oftentimes we feel like we have to show up in somebody's lives and, and fix it. Or we have to show up into somebody's lives and say the right prayer, give the right Bible verse, or do the right thing to help them just sort of kind of get over the hump or, or to, to find that healing that they're looking for from the pain that they're going through. But it's not the reality of life most of the time. We're never going to... to say exactly the right thing or do the right thing or give the right uh, kind of, of Bible verse that's going to just fix everything. Which is why the ministry of presence is so very powerful. Sometimes all people need is just, just somebody to listen to them. Not necessarily to understand, but just so that they can bear their soul that they can bear their burden to somebody else and, and have someone help them sort of carry that a little bit so that the weight doesn't fall fully upon them. And as we can see, Jesus' friends were essentially useless. They, they kind of fell asleep on the job. They didn't do much other than show up. Sometimes all it takes is for us to show up. And when we are feeling that pain and, and, and that agony, we need to be uh, uh, mindful that keeping people at arm's length isn't ultimately going to help us. We need people in our lives. They might not understand. They might not get it. They might not be able to wrap their minds around what's going on, but they can be there and be an ear. They can be a shoulder to cry on. They can be someone who can just wrap their arms around us and show us that somebody cares and loves it's not always easy to be that because, again, we want to fix things. But most of the time, those things are beyond our ability to fix. We 
can't wave a magic wand and have those things disappear. But man, we can show up. We can be a people who show up in people's lives. Thirdly, Jesus leaned into God through prayer. It is wonderful, absolutely wonderful, to have people around us who rally around us in our pain and and when we feel like God is absent or silent or when we're struggling. It's wonderful to have people around us. But again, those people, they're not going to fix really what's going on. Jesus knew and understood, as wonderful as it was for his friends to be present, at the end of the day, what he really still needed was God. And so he goes to God in prayer, and he makes his request known to God. Because God is the one, at the end of the day, who can be transformative in a person's life. God is the one who can flip that life upside down. God is the one who can bring redemption and reconciliation, who can turn our pain and our tragedy into something redemptive and and, and beautiful. It might take time. It might take the whole rest of our lives. But God is the one, at the end of the day, who ultimately is the one who can change things in a person's life. Jesus understood that found his place in the garden. He took his friends along with him. But at the end of the day, he had to go to God in prayer and put his petition before his feet. And I think lastly, and this might be the hardest component of dealing with feeling isolated or feeling the the struggles of life feeling like God is absent or quiet or silent in our lives. We have to attempt to try and find meaning in it. Meaning in the pain. Meaning in the suffering. Meaning in those moments where we just don't understand what God is up to or how he might be at work in our lives. I think this is probably the most difficult and challenging. I know it's been the, the most difficult and challenging component for me when I have struggled, when I have felt the absence or the silence of God, to try and understand or find meaning that makes sense. But Jesus, in Hebrews 12, 2, in Hebrews 12, 2, Jesus says, or it says this, We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. He endured what he endured because of the joy that came after. He endured what he endured because he knew the end result. He knew that there would be something of joy on the other end. He knew that it would ultimately end in the salvation of 
the people whom he loved, the people that he calls to himself. He understood that he would suffer some and suffer immensely. He would suffer, but on the other end, there would be joy. There would be resurrection. There would be hope for all of humanity. He did what he did because he understood the purpose behind all of it. And I think for us, as we think about that example, in part we endure through those silences, through those the, the pains, through the, the tragedies that we experience. We do so because we have a long view. We're able to do it because we have a long view of what might ultimately come from it. That when we suffer, someday, somewhere, somehow, we might be able to help somebody else who's going through the very same thing. That when we find ourselves in the midst of pain, when we have healed through that, we are able to help heal others who have gone through the same kinds of things. It's not always easy to see in the moment, but if we attempt to try and, and, and find meaning and purpose in the midst of it, it can go a long way to help us endure and struggle, or endure through the struggle that is before us. Because we have an end in mind, we have an end goal to help us get through. Again, this might be the most challenging and difficult part of this whole thing, but Jesus understood the joy at the end of his suffering. And as we move through ours, as we eventually find healing, as we eventually find that God has shifted and changed our thinking, our affections, our loves in the midst of that, that, that struggle, there's something redemptive on the other end of it. A way to move forward in helping others who have experienced what we have gone through. Which leads me to our main point this morning. We have a God who understands our suffering. He understands our pain and the, the silence that we experience. He knows what it is to be where we are at. He knows what it is to be going through what we are going through. And our life changes this. We need to understand and live in the reality that God rarely lifts us out of the shadow of death. Instead, he walks through the shadow of death with us. It's really rare in my experience that God just says to the storm, go away. It's rare in my experience that the tragedies that we experience in life are sort of immediately taken from us. Not to say that it doesn't happen sometimes, but it's, I think, a rare occurrence. God doesn't always seem to be interested in taking us or plucking us from whatever storm we are in. But God does seem to be more interested in as being present with us in the midst of that storm. In the midst of that tragedy. That's where we tend to find God. 
where we see and experience him. If we're looking, if we're paying attention, he's right there in the shadow of death, right along with us. Most of us are relatively familiar with Psalm 23. Psalm 23, 4 says this. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. More often than not, God is not going to pluck us out of that darkest valley. It can happen. It does sometimes. But we can fear no evil in the midst of it because of his presence with us. He is there in the valley of the shadow of death, right there with us, each and every moment with us. And he is our source of comfort and strength. As we read in Psalm 62 this morning, he again, he's, he is our refuge, our, our shelter. He is our rock that we can trust and rely on. He is our salvation. And so even when it seems like he is quiet, even when it seems like he isn't answering or listening, he has promised in his scriptures to be there with us. We might not see him, we might not feel him, we might not be able to comprehend his presence. But if we trust in him, if we trust in his word, then we can trust that his presence is with us in the midst of whatever we are going through, in whatever battles we might face, in whatever pain we might be experiencing, His Word tells us that He is with us in the valley of the shadow of death, and He is our source of comfort in the midst of it. It's not always easy to see, but we can trust that He is there. We are not alone. So often when we struggle with stuff, we feel like we're isolated and alone. We feel like we're by ourselves. But we have people around us who love us, who want to help us to be with us, even though they might not understand. They're there for us in the midst of what's going on. But more importantly, God is with us. Again, we might not be able to see it or feel it necessarily. But we can trust and have faith that He has not abandoned us. He has not forsaken us. And He will go with us even in the darkest moments of our life. Last week, I introduced us to a prayer from St. Ignatius of Loyola. Uh, I actually made copies of that prayer. They're out on the resource table. If we need more copies, I'd be happy to uh, uh, make some more after the service. You can take it with you, put it in your Bible, hang it on your fridge, put it on a mirror. You can take a screenshot so you can have it on your phone to remember it, whatever you want to do with it. Uh, we're going to continue to use this prayer after our sermons throughout the rest of this series. Because I think sometimes when we can't pray for ourselves, 
we don't necessarily have the right words. It's helpful to have somebody we know who has been where we are, who can pray for us, who we can pray along with. So would you pray with me as I pray these words from St. Ignatius of Loyola? Oh Christ Jesus, when all is darkness and we feel our weakness and our helplessness, give us the sense of your presence, your love, and your strength. Help us to have perfect trust in your protecting love and strengthening power so that nothing may frighten or worry us. For living close to you, we shall see your hand, your purpose, your will through all things.